You already know what time it is. Welcome back into the What Offseason Sports Podcast, everybody. Coming on the show today, ladies and gentlemen, we're doing an entire 2020 AFC breakdown. And if you caught the last episode, yes, we did do an NFC breakdown as well for the upcoming NFL season. Now, we did have a system in the last video, and we're going to be doing that in this video as well. If you caught the NFC breakdown, then you already know what's coming. But if you're new to the show, I'll break it down for you real quick. We're going to be looking at the offseason for all 16 teams in the AFC, who they lost, who they gained, if they addressed any strengths and weaknesses. Then after that, we're going to classify them as the great, the good, and the ugly. The great, you're going to have your Super Bowl winning, Super Bowl caliber teams. Of course, they can contend for a title. You're going to have the good about a year or two or maybe a player or two away from being a Super Bowl caliber team. And then, of course, we're going to have the ugly, just the garbage trash teams in the NFL that we honestly know aren't going to have an impact this coming season. And then we're going to have a ceiling, a floor, and an expected. The best this team can do, the worst this team can do, how I expect them to to fair out in the upcoming season. Of course, guys, you already know we're on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at. And if you're not checking out the link tree in the social media bios, guys, you're literally missing every bit of what off-season's content, guys. Let's go ahead and jump right into this 2020 AFC breakdown. We're going to start with the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, the heavy Super Bowl favorites, the heavy AFC favorites. Let's take a look at their off-season here. We know they lost the defensive tackle in Michael Pierce, the linebacker in Patrick Onwasor, and also the linebacker in Josh Bynes. So they did lose some defensive pieces of there, but it does not stop there. The cornerback in Brandon Carr, the safety in Tony Jefferson, of course, and then you lose the wide receiver in Seth Roberts, and you lose the tight end in Hayden Hurst. But then you look on the flip side at who they were actually able to acquire in this offseason. The D-end in Calais Campbell and another D-end in Derek Wolf. so they addressed the pass rush that was honestly one of the only true holes last year, aside from the wide receiver core for the Baltimore Ravens, as they didn't have a very heavy pass rush. Now they have two prime pass rushers to play for them. And then they also have the guard in DJ Fluker. But you take a look at the 2020 draft that the Baltimore Ravens had. They went and got Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU. They went and got J.K. Dobbins, the running back, the monster out of Ohio State. They went and got the defensive tackle Justin Matabuki out of Texas A&M, the wide receiver Devin. And Duvernay out of Texas. He was constantly giving Oklahoma problems. I think everybody was able to see that. And then also another Ohio State Buckeye, the linebacker in Malik Harrison. They definitely went and got some pieces and were able to address that defense even more. And like I said, now they have a pass rush. No doubt 100%. I think everybody knows that the Baltimore Ravens are unquestionably a Super Bowl caliber team. These guys could easily go and win it all this year. Lamar Jackson's only going to get better. Mark Ingram's going to be better in the system. Now you got J.K. Dobbins, Devin DuVernay out of Texas. You still got the tight end presence. Hollywood Brown's only going to be better. I mean, I want you guys to honestly show me now that they did go get a receiver and now that they did go get a pass rush. Where is the true hole in this Baltimore Ravens defense? And now we're going to take a look at the ceiling for the Baltimore Ravens. The best I think they could do this year 
Absolutely. I think they could go undefeated, and I think they could be Super Bowl champions. They have the easiest strength of schedule, and they travel the least. So, And like I said, they're stacked. They are pissed about what happened to them last year in the Titans, and this is arguably the best roster, the best team in the NFL for this coming season, and I think there's no question these guys could win the Super Bowl and go undefeated. The floor, at the very least, this is a 12-win football team, and they'll make an AFC divisional appearance, but realistically, I expect this to be about a 14-2 and to a 15 and 1 team and unquestionably making it to the AFC title game. Moving on now, a very interesting team coming into this season that I have them primed for a primed for a turnaround. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's see who they lost in the offseason. The guard in Ramon Foster, of course, the defensive tackle in Javon Hargrave. You look at the tight end in Nick Vanette. He was very valuable as well. A cornerback in Artie Burns, who was able to play a valuable piece on that team. A few linebackers, and then the safety in Sean Davis also, but then you see how they made the push to go pick up some players as well in this offseason. You have the tight end and Eric Ebron, the fullback as well in Derek Watt. You take a look, the defensive tackle in Chris Wormsley. They picked up a decent offensive lineman and Stefan Wisnowski. And then Big Ben, of course, is back from injury. A lot of this season is going to ride on how Big Ben is able to play. The wide receiver in Chase Claypool, we've already seen he can be a playmaker in this league. And then the defensive end in Alex Highsmith. So the Steelers did not have a bad offseason, and they come into this year as a good team. I classify them as the good. The Steelers might have a top defense in this league. There is absolutely no doubt about that, but I just don't know if the offense is high-flying and has enough firepower to compete with the Ravens and the Chiefs and potentially even the Bills. I think the Bills could have a better offense than the Steelers this year, and they could use some more pieces, I believe, in the running back and the wide receiver spots. Plus, like I mentioned, how is Big Ben going to be coming off the, coming off that injury, coming off the surgery on the elbow? The absolute ceiling for this Pittsburgh Steelers team is 13 wins and an AFC championship. The floor, I think they could go 8-8, eight and eight, break even, and miss the playoffs, but I expect this to be an 11-5 and five football team making an appearance in the AFC Divisional. Now we're going to move on to the extremely overhyped dysfunctional Cleveland Browns. Who did they lose in the offseason? Well, we know Freddie Kitchens is gone. He was garbage. He never even needed to be hired anyways. A good linebacker in Joe Schobert. Then you also see they lost Christian Kirksey as well. A decent safety there in Justin Burris. And another safety there in Demarius Randall as well. And then the guard in Eric Cush and the tight end in Ricky Seals-Jones. The Chiefs were able to actually capitalize on him there. But who did they turn around and make some acquisitions in? Well, they did go and get the head coach their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, the former offensive coordinator from the Minnesota Vikings. So he should be able to get this offense going, but we'll see because Baker Mayfield is honestly, I think this is a this is a season where Baker either has to prove it or he's going to be a backup in the NFL. You go and see they have Jack Conklin on the offensive line. They went and got Austin Hooper from Atlanta. They went and got a good pass rusher on the D end and Adrian Claiborne. And then also the safety and Andrew Sandejo from the Minnesota Vikings and a backup for Baker Mayfield, which like I said, <laughs> like I said, he could get bumped to the two spot if this is not a good season for him. They went and got Case Keenum as his backup. Then they did draft Jedrick Wills to give him some protection on the offensive line. The safety out of LSU and Grant Delpit as well. The D-line, Jordan Elliott, and then also another linebacker in Jacob Phillips. And believe it or not, I'm going to classify, classify the Browns as the good. I really do think they are just a player or two, a draft or two, a year or two away from being able to compete for 
a Super Bowl. Don't think too much about it. Honestly, guys, we know this team is talented. Baker Mayfield is going to be holding this team back if he does not play well this year. And like a, that's the biggest hole. No question. The biggest hole in this team is Baker Mayfield. The roster is deep in many positions. The defense could be better than average now with those additions in the offseason. And the O-line did get help also. The Browns are still a couple of years away, like I said, from competing for a title. But if you go look at the roster and actually who they've got, this is a good football team. The absolute ceiling for these Browns, I mean the absolute ceiling, will be 12 wins and an AFC Divisional, but I do not see that happening. The floor will be seven wins and they'll miss the cut for the playoffs, but I have them going nine and seven and getting a very sneaky wildcard spot, but more than likely getting eliminated on wildcard weekend. And to round out the AFC North, we have the Cincinnati Bengals. We know in the offseason, Andy Dalton was dealt out of there because Joe Burrow came in as the number one overall pick. They did go get a tight end in Tyler Eifert for Joe Burrow, a nice big tall target for Joe Burrow, the guard in John Miller, and then you also see another guard in John Jerry, but they did lose seven defensive players, notably Darquez Denard and Nick Vigil. So they do have more offensive line pieces, but we will see what that means for the number one overall pick in Joe Burrow. The wide receiver in T. Higgins was another pickup for them. They were able to acquire Trey, Trey Waynes from the Minnesota Vikings, the D lineman and DJ Reader out of Houston. That's another good pass rusher. Of course, they did go get the cornerback in Mackenzie Alexander, the safety Von Bell from New Orleans, and then also the linebacker in Josh Bynes. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, this is going to be an ugly team that's going to be classified. The Bengals are going to be classified as the ugly. This one is a no-brainer. Taking Joe Burrow was their first step, of course, going towards a rebuild, but they got some decent defensive players as well, but nothing to make them relevant. No true threat on offense. Cincinnati has a ton of work to do before I even think they scrape the 500 category. The most this team is going to do with Joe Burrow was win four games this year. They could go winless as their floor, but I expect them to be a single win football team missing the playoffs no matter how it plays out. Let's go on into the AFC South now, everybody. You got your Houston Texans. Their biggest loss, of course, was DeAndre Hopkins. The stupidest move of the offseason. Tayshawn Gibson, Angelo Blackson is gone as well. They did just lose DJ Reader, like I mentioned. And then two running backs and Carlos Hyde and Lamar Miller. But then you see they did try to turn it around and replace D-Hop substantially with Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks. They did go get more offensive line help, bringing over David Johnson. Hopefully he can produce for them. He was able to in that Thursday night game against Kansas. Kansas City, and then a couple more linemen on the offensive and defensive side of the ball as well. I am going to have to classify the Houston Texans as a borderline good to great football team. Deshaun Watson, I'm just going to say it right now, and you can give me flack for this if you want. Deshaun Watson is the closest we have to Patrick Mahomes right now, not Lamar Jackson. I think Deshaun Watson is more of an accurate passer. I think that he has the bigger arm than Lamar Jackson, and he can definitely throw better on the run than Lamar Jackson can. So I do think Deshaun Sean Watson is the closest that we have to Patrick Mahomes right now. And they replaced DeAndre Hopkins decently, like I said. They attempted to. And they've got the offense to make things happen. There's no doubt about that. They could definitely use a better run game because David Johnson is a downgrade. And Bill O'Brien just makes me nervous, honestly, when it matters the most. The defense could be improved. 
improved, and I don't trust it very much, which inclines me to put them at a borderline good to great football team. The ceiling for this Houston Texans team would be 12 wins in an AFC divisional. They could break even at their floor and go 8-8 eight and eight and miss the playoffs, but I expect this to be a double-digit win team, at least 10-6, and six, and making it to the AFC divisional. The Tennessee Titans. We know they lost Delaney Walker, the tight end, the running back in Deion Lewis as well, the kicker in Ryan Suckup, and then Jarrell Casey and Cameron Wake did leave in free agency also. But you look at the gains. They went inside the monster pass rusher in Jadavian Clowney. I still believe in Jadavian Clowney. Vic Beasley out of Atlanta. Jack Crawford as well out of Atlanta. But then you see they drafted Christian Fulton, the cornerback, the running back in Darrington Evans. I think he can be NFL ready if he gets his touches early on enough. And then you look at Jamal Davis and also the offensive tackle in Isaiah Wilson. But you cannot forget about Jonathan Joseph, the cornerback they picked up as well, and a very good linebacker in Will Compton. I am going to have to keep the Tennessee Titans, though, as a good team. The Titans have pieces, there's no doubt. You look at Derrick Henry, you look at A.J. Brown, you look at how Ryan Tannehill can be if he's on his stuff in the game. But we saw also how they did turn it on last season after they benched Mariota and Derrick Henry became the beast that he became. And I think A.J. Brown could definitely emerge as their surefire wide receiver one. Some O-line issues for sure throughout the offseason, which honestly their offseason wasn't the greatest, so I cannot put them as a Super Bowl contender just yet. All around, the Titans are just a good football team. They're not elite, and that's just the truth about them. A year or two away from being a Super Bowl caliber team, but don't be surprised if you can maybe see the Titans go to a few more AFC championship games within the coming years. The ceiling for this Tennessee Titans team, they're going to be a 10 or 11 win team at the very most, making it to the AFC Divisional. If they hit the bottom and go to the floor, this will be a 7 or 8 win football team missing the playoffs. But realistically, I see 9 wins and a sneaky wild card spot maybe bumping up to the AFC Divisional. Oddly enough, the team I'm most excited to watch this year just to see how they're really going to evolve because I think they had maybe one, maybe the best offseason, but definitely one of the best off seasons here recently you got to look at the Indianapolis Colts they did lose the D-line coach also the kicker Adam Venateri the tacker and Joe Haig that wasn't great for them Eric Ebron left as well and then Devin Funches is out of town also but you go see who they got in the draft Michael Pittman Jr the best running back in the draft in Jonathan Taylor Jacob Eason who can start in this league the kicker and Rodrigo Blank Blankenship out of Georgia he is a baller already you look at Julian Blackman they go get Philip Rivers and if Philip Rivers has just an average season, I feel like. I think the Colts can be a sneaky AFC title game contender. They also got a great pass rusher into Forrest Buckner. They go and get Trey Burton, another tight end. Xavier Rhodes, they grab him from Minnesota. And then the defensive tackle in Sheldon Day. So they also went and addressed their pass rush as well. I'm going to put the Colts at a borderline good to great team. The Colts feel, like I said, very AFC title game sneaky to me. Such an amazing draft. Like I mentioned, easily one of the best in 2020. MPJ is the immediate wide receiver two to T.Y. Hilton, the best running back in the draft in Jonathan Taylor. He is a monster. <laughs> They did help the defense out, which does make them a threat to be a very good football team, but you got to check the roster. These guys have pieces on both sides of the ball, but my only concern is what addition, what version of Phillip Rivers are you going to get? for the Indianapolis Colts. And you're already giving him the best offensive line. You're already giving him one of the best wide receiver cores in the NFL. Rivers has the pieces to have a great season, but all of that is going to depend on how he plays. A lot of the Colts' success is going to ride on that. 
the ceiling for this Colts team. This could be a 13-3 and football team, and they could go to the AFC Championship. If they hit their floor and break even, I have them missing the playoffs, but I expect this to be a 12-4 and football team going to the AFC Divisional. And we round out this AFC division with the Jacksonville Jaguars. We know they lost Nick Foles. Of course, the wide receiver in Marquise Lee as well, but he did, opt, he did opt out with his new team. You look at Calais Campbell. They gave away Yannick Ngakwe. They told Leonard Fournette to get out of town. And then also the linebacker in Jake Ryan and a decent corner in A.J. Bouye as well. You go look at their offseason gains, though. They do go get Tyler Eifert, the tight end from the Beggles. They do go get Mike Glennon, a backup quarterback for for them from the Raiders as well. You look at Cassius Marsh, the defensive end from the Arizona Cardinals, and then also they get Joe Schobert. They pick him up from the Cleveland Browns, but at the end of the day, I am going to have to classify this Jaguars team as an ugly team. The Jags are tanking for Trevor. They're tanking for Justin Fields, whatever the hell you want to call it. The Jacksonville Jaguars are tanking. They don't have anybody. It's really simple, guys. From Saxonville to 5-11, and up to 6-10, and 10, and now they're tanking for Trevor Lawrence, literally cleaning house of all their superstars with Fournette, Ramsey, Campbell, and Gakwe. These guys might have the number one overall pick in the draft next year. It'll be the last year of Minshew Mania. At the very, the most this team can do is go 2-14, and 14, missing the playoffs, of course. At the worst, this will be a zero-win football team, but I expect them to go 1-15, and, and like I said, be primed for the number one overall pick. Now we have the New England Patriots. We take a look at their offseason losses, of course, losing the GOAT in Tom Brady. Kyle Van Noy, the linebacker, is gone as well. Jamie Collins is gone also. And then Philip Dorsett, along with the eight opt-outs, notably Three linemen, two very good defensive players in Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung, a running back, a fullback, and a wide receiver. So the Patriots just simply have pieces that are not playing for them this year, and it's going to hurt them. It is going to hurt them. But you look, they go get the monster in Cam Newton. That is my comeback player of the year, calling it right now. Cam Newton will win the 2020 comeback player of the year. You see they go and get and draft Kyle Duggar, the safety out of Lenar Ryan. To classify the New England Patriots, though, crazy enough. Enough to say a Bill Belichick ran team this year could be borderline good to ugly. Belichick is working with a new quarterback, not saying he can't do it, but we know there's going to be hiccups eventually. We haven't seen them yet, but I do think there will be some small hiccups. Who do they have in the receiving core that is honestly reliable and healthy? Edelman, if he stays healthy, I'm not banging on Demir Bird or Nikhil Harry or Jacoby Myers, but I want you guys to check something out real quick for me. So pro football focus Every year they rank wide receiver course. They've been, they've been doing this since 2006. Last year in the 2019 NFL season, the Patriots wide receiver core was the worst they have graded in the pro football focus era. Within 14 years of pro football focus grading hundreds of wide receiving cores, the New England Patriots core last year was the worst graded overall in the entire lifespan of pro football focus guys did they draft or gain any notable receivers no they didn't new england does not draft well they've never drafted well they just lost philip dorsett josh gordon went back to seattle like i said eight starters opted out notably patrick chung and dante hightower i trust cam and bill but honestly just not anybody else the ceiling for this team, they'll break even at 8-8, eight and eight, missing the playoffs. At the floor, they'll go 5-11 and 11 and still miss the playoffs, but I expect this to be a 6-10 and 10 football team and still missing the playoffs. 
We also look now the predicted division winners for me for here. I have the Buffalo Bills. Let's take a look at their offseason losses. Frank Gore is gone to the New York Jets. You see Shaq Lawson is with the Miami Dolphins now. And then Kevin Johnson and Lorenzo Alexander, a cornerback and a linebacker that they did lose. You turn around and look at who they got. A star wide receiver in Stefan Diggs, of course. You see Mario Addison, the defensive lineman from the Carolina Panthers. A.J. Klein from the Saints. That's a huge pickup in the linebacker core for them. You have the defensive tackle, of course, in Carolina um, in Vernon Butler. Quentin Jefferson as well off the line from the Seattle Seahawks. Let's take a look at some of their draft picks. You have Zach Moss, a running back with very high potential in this league out of Utah. Gabe Davis, the wide receiver out of UCF. And then Dane Jackson also, the corner out of Pittsburgh and we know Jake Fromm the quarterback from Georgia went to the Buffalo Bills as well I do have to keep the Buffalo Bills as a borderline good to great football team Josh Allen has huge potential in this league a lot of this season is going to ride on his quarterback play he does show flashes of Deshaun Watson with the arm and the running power I really you could almost say he's a better runner than Deshaun Watson definitely a stronger more powerful runner than Deshaun Watson he leads the league in rushing touch touchdowns by a quarterback since 2017. Highly looking forward to watching him grow in this league. Stefan Diggs, like I mentioned, is a superstar wide receiver. Along with him and Cole Beasley, they will spark this offense up. The defense is elite, and if you get growth from Josh Allen, they can make this Bills team a Super Bowl contender. At the very most, the most this Bills team, this Bills team will do is go 13-3 and and make an appearance in the AFC Championship. They could break even at the floor and miss the playoffs, but I expect them to have 12 wins and make the AFC Divisional. You look at the New York Jets now. Let's look at their offseason losses. They lose the quarterback in Trevor Simeon. They lose the running back in Ty Montgomery. They lose the wide receiver in Robbie Anderson and Demarius Thomas. Tom Compton is gone. A good lineman in Brent Quavale. He left also. Paul Warlow went to free agency. And you lose Trumaine Johnson, a valuable corner in this league. But you look at who they got. They pick up Joe Flacco from Denver. Frank Gore from the Buffalo Bills. Brashad Perriman could definitely be the wide receiver one for Sam Donald, but we don't know what the hell the Jets are doing at this point. Josh Doxson, the wide receiver out of Minnesota. And then you also look Patrick Anwasor. He went to them from the Baltimore Ravens. Pierre Desir, the corner from Indianapolis. And then another lineman in Josh Andrews out of the Indianapolis Colts organization as well. You see they drafted a left tackle in Mekhi Becton. He's going to be valuable in this league. You see Denzel Memes out of Baylor. At the end of the day, though, this, this Jets team is classified as the ugly. The offense will continue to be limited as long as Sam Donald is at the helm. And I have never ever been sold on Sam Donald, wasn't sold on him in college, never been sold on him in the NFL. I've never thought Sam Donald was actually a good quarterback, and you can give me slack for that if you want, but I just think that's facts. They have a couple of decent pieces, but there's no real threat either here on either side of the ball. Does this team even have a superstar now that Jamal Adams is gone and they're going to place Le'Veon Bell? Rather, they already did place Le'Veon Bell on IR. This team is a quarterback and many drafts away from being a title contender, and their schedule is brutal also. The most this Jets team is going to do is win eight games. At the floor, they'll win two games, but I expect this to be a 3-13 
football team. On to the Miami Dolphins with the last segment here on the What Offseason Sports Podcast, everybody. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in today to catch this 2020 AFC breakdown. And like I said, if you're not checking out the link tree in all of the bios of our social media, you're missing out on every bit of content we're putting out from the show, ladies and gentlemen. The offseason here, their offseason losses, they lose their defensive coordinator and their offensive coordinator as well. Rashad Jones, the safety left. Taco Charlton, the defensive end is gone as well. Well, and then you see also Charles Harris, another defensive end that left the organization. They did hire another offensive and defensive coordinator as well. They go get Emmanuel Ogba, the pass rusher from Kansas City. Great linebacker in Kyle Van Noy. You take a look at Byron Jones, the corner from Dallas. Matt Breida, another running back from San Francisco. But you look at their draft as well. Solomon Kinley, the offensive guard out of Georgia. Raekwon Davis, the D lineman from Alabama. And then, of course, two at Tag of Iloa, the quarterback drafted from Alabama as well. But no brainer here, also. This is an ugly football team at the end of the day. No real threat here on the Dolphins. Again, a couple of pieces, but nothing for them to give worthy opponents issues, in my opinion. A decent running back core. I am honestly, all I'm looking forward to out of the Dolphins this year is Tua Tagovailoa getting some playing time. That is all I want to see is Tua get his time this year. Miami has a few years before they can start thinking about contending for a title. The most this Dolphins team is going to do is win seven games and miss the playoffs. At the very least, they'll be a 3-13 and team, but I expect Expect them to go 4-12. and 12. And we are at the final division here for this 2020 AFC breakdown, guys. We're going to go with another heavy favorite, starting out with the Kansas City Chiefs. They do lose Blake Bell, a valuable tight end to them. Shady McCoy is with the Bucks now. Reggie Ragland is gone. Emmanuel Ogba is gone. Terrell Suggs, Spencer Ware. And then they do have a few opt-out as, opt-outs as well, the guard and the running back. They do go and get the offensive lineman in Mike Remmers, a cornerback in Antonio Hamilton. He can be valuable. A decent tight end in Ricky Seals-Jones, but you know they went and got the running back in Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the national championship winning running back out of LSU. Willie Gay from Mississippi State, and then also the rookie in Lejarius Sneed, who is already proving he can be a presence in the NFL as a rookie. Taco Charlton, of course, they pick him up from the Dolphins, without a doubt. The Kansas City Chiefs are a great football team. They can easily go back and win the Super Bowl. Everybody knows these guys can repeat. Amazing wide receiver core. The best quarterback in football. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has already exploded in his NFL debut. This is the best offense in football easily. There's no question about it. My only concern, which gets me sometimes, is their physicality and their secondary. The ceiling for this Kansas City Chiefs team is 14-2 and and repeating as a Super Bowl champions. At the very least, this is a a double-digit win football team making an appearance in the AFC Divisional, but I have them going 13-3 and and getting to the the AFC Championship to face the Baltimore Ravens. The Las Vegas Raiders, we take a look at their offseason losses. The defensive line coach, of course, they lose Carl Joseph. They lose to hear Whitehead, the linebacker. They lose the defensive end in Deion Jordan and Josh Morrow. But you take a look at who they pick up. They get a backup for Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. They go and get some defensive pieces. Jeff Heath, Corey Littleton, Malik Collins. And then you take a look with Demarius Randall. They did cut Prince of Mukamara. They did pick him up in the offseason, but Prince of Mukamara did get cut. And then they do go get Nelson Aguilar, who, when he can catch the football, is a valuable receiver in this league. 
But speaking of valuable receivers, instantly off the rip, Henry Ruggs, he's going to be able to provide. Damon Arnett, the corner, the cornerback out of Ohio State. You see Brian Edwards, another wide receiver out of South Carolina, a linebacker and a guard out of Clemson also. But at the end of the day, this Las Vegas Raiders team is going to be classified as borderline good to ugly. They have talented players on their roster from Jacobs to Waller, Ruggs, and now Aguilar. Their offense has plenty of potential. And defensively, they were able to acquire some pieces like I mentioned in Jeff Heath, Malik Collins, Corey Littleton. But the Raiders were awful last season, and they don't pose a real threat to anyone. I can see them being that pesky team, though, that likes to give opponents issues from time to time, maybe knocks them down in their playoff seating to maybe make them go play on the road. Some sort of that pesky nature there. At the most, this Las Vegas Raiders team is going to go 11-5 and and make it to the AFC Divisional. They could hit the floor and go 6-10 and and miss the playoffs, but I expect them to break even as an 8-8 eight and eight team this year. The Denver Broncos, we know that they lose the offensive coordinator, they lose the safety in Will Parks, and then they do lose Derek Wolf and Chris Harris Jr. They do turn around and pick up Pat Shermer as their offensive coordinator, which I definitely would have steered clear of him. I just don't trust him off of his head coaching years anymore. You have A.J. Bouye, the corner cornerback, Jarrell Casey, a good defensive end there. And then you look at, they address the running back in Melvin Gordon. They go and get Graham Glasgow, and then they draft arguably the best receiver in the draft in Jerry Judy and Lloyd Cushenberry, the center out of LSU. But I do have to keep the Broncos as an ugly team. I don't trust Drew Locke. You don't have a great backfield. The receiving core is all right with some tight ends in there. Von Miller is out for the season. So there goes your leadership, your best pass rusher, really your best player, your veteran presence. I'm not going to bank on Pat Shermer. I'm not going to really depend on him or expect him to rejuvenate a very boring, dormant offense in the Denver Broncos, who were towards the bottom of the league last year in every offensive category just about. Denver's rebuilding. Just give them their time. I have them going at the most 8-8. Eight and eight. I think at their floor, they could go 3-13, and 13, but I do have this as a 5-11 and 11 football team. And to round out this 2020 AFC breakdown, ladies and gentlemen, we have the LA Chargers. We know they lose Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, Russell Okung, Thomas Davis, Derek Watt, Travis Benjamin. So they did lose some key players for that offense. I do have the Chargers taking maybe even more, a little more of a step back this season. They do gain Brian Bulaga, who is a good lineman in this league, and Linval Joseph as well, along with Chris Harris. So they did go get some pieces, attempt to go get some pieces in the offseason. The backup in Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert can provide this year in the NFL. He could get his playing time. If Tyrod Taylor is not going to be that dude, which I'm not a big Tyrod Taylor believer. I never have been. I never will be. You see Joe Reed out of Virginia, KJ Hill, the wide receiver out of of Ohio State, and then the linebacker in Kenneth Murray as well out of Oklahoma. I am going to classify this Chargers team as a borderline good to ugly team. The Chargers are a lot like the Falcons in my opinion. They got players. They've shown flashes of greatness, but they just have a lot of potential to be a contender but they never tap into that potential and consistency and coaching always seems to discount them from contention every year. And Anthony Lynn is doing the best he can, carrying a 27-23 and 23 record. He's 1-1 one one in the postseason. One postseason berth in which he had lost to the Beast and Tom Brady that year. Bottom line, Chargers are a season or two away from being a contender. At the most, they'll be a 10-6 and six football team making the AFC Divisional. I have them at 5-11 and 11 at their floor, but I expect this to be a 6-10 and 10 football team missing the playoffs. Thank you so 
so much, everybody, for catching the 2020 AFC breakdown from the What Off Season Sports podcast today. How I expect every team to do this year is now out for you guys for our 2020 NFL season. Of course, never forget, we're on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast at. And if you're not checking out the link tree in the bio, you're missing out on every bit of what off season content. Of course, head to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of our social medias, comment, like, subscribe, engage. I'm right there to talk back to you guys. As always, catch us next week for another great episode of the What Off Season Sports Podcast. This is What Off Season signing out, everybody.